In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So in today's Gospel reading, uh, Jesus is in the synagogue on the Sabbath when a bent-over, crippled woman walks in. She's obviously known to the people because in the story it says that she's been this way for 18 long years. Could you imagine for 18 years uh, being disabled in such a way? And so Jesus calls her near. She doesn't, you know, in some stories people run up to Jesus or they try to grasp the hem of his cloak. This woman is just coming to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. But Jesus saw her and called her over, actively called her and said, you are set free from your ailment. And immediately he healed her. Of course, he got a lot of flack for this. And this isn't the only example. But the leader of the synagogue is saying, you know, there are six other days of the week when you could be doing this, Jesus. Why don't you do it on the other six days and keep the Sabbath as it should be? Now, that sounds really sort of, uh, I don't know, unkind, uncharitable. But really, it was the law. The man was just doing what he was supposed to do, which was to keep the traditions as they had been, always and forever, uh, so it would seem. But as in those days, Jesus comes to shake things up. Jesus comes to turn our worldviews upside down. Jesus comes to bring healing where we thought it couldn't be possible and to bring love where we thought there could only be hate. And so he scorns the people in the synagogue and says, you hypocrites, you, you all go on the Sabbath day and water your animals. So how much more appropriate is it that this daughter of Abraham, this woman who's been suffering for 18 years, how much more appropriate is it that she be healed on the Sabbath day? And the opponents were put to shame and everyone rejoiced. Well, of course, Jesus has his moments where he does things like this and everyone rejoices. And of course, he has his other moments where uh, they do quite the opposite from rejoicing. Remember, there were times when people tried to push him off a cliff, times when, of course, he was tried for crimes he didn't commit, and, of course, his death on the cross. But here he's sort of riding high, and he's giving us this example of, uh, of God's love. And as I, I like to say, that he, in his ministry, over time, opens, cracks the, his birth sort of cracks the door. And, you know, if you're in a dark room and a door cracks open, you can see that shaft of light come through the door from the other room. And I think that we are in that dark room. And the other room, of course, is God's kingdom, God's heavenly kingdom. And Jesus, through his birth, cracks that door and lets in a little bit of light. And through his ministry and his word and teaching and his actions, shows us a little bit more and a little bit more of that light. Because you know, again, if, to use this metaphor, if you go from a dark room into a bright space, you're blinded and you, you're disoriented and you don't, don't, don't know what to do. But if you can acclimate yourself and you let your eyes and your senses adjust, you can come into the light and experience it in its fullness. And so Jesus then and Jesus now opens the human heart, the door of the human heart and the, the human mind and the human will, if we will let him. And shines that light in just a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And he calls us always to a sense of renewal and repentance. Um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of times in the Christian 
scope of, of history, we talk about the Reformation. We're a, we are a product of the Reformation in the Episcopal Church. Uh, but it makes it sound like it was something that happened once and it was all done and, and finished and we can just move on now. We're reformed. Well, I like more, what I like more is the way uh, the Jewish, our Jewish brothers and sisters express it, that they are reform, as in they are continually reforming. And I think Jesus comes out of that tradition, of course, and is calling us always to be reform Christians or to be Christians who are constantly renewing or constantly repenting. We are a people of resurrection, so things die to us daily, but things are resurrected as well, all, of course, leading to our own deaths and resurrections, which we believe we are a part of through the one that Jesus partook of once and for all. And so as we... uh, move through this world, we must remember always that we can't be like the hypocrites in the synagogues. We can't try to shut out God's love from other people. We can't try to confine God's power to a certain uh, set of days during the week. Yes, Sunday is the Lord's Day, and I love that sort of admonishment in the, at the end of the reading from Isaiah, and it's very tempting for, uh, for priests and ministers to, to use this, uh, to, to guilt their people into coming into church, but that's not what it's for. So yes, we have that really uh, strong underscore in that passage from Isaiah about the importance of the Sabbath day, but every day is the Lord's Day. God created all seven days of the week. And so since we are brothers and sisters and fellow workers in the vineyard, we like to follow Jesus' example. And we're not just Sunday Christians. We're not just people who come in here on Sunday and smile politely at one another and ignore our differences and ignore uh, things that might be going on in the outside world and have a cup of coffee and leave and go our separate ways with a nice warm feeling in our hearts. It's good to come to church, and it's good to come together, and it's good to have a warm feeling in your heart. And I love uh, the feeling that I get. I know when, when the church is, is full of people and there's a rousing hymn with some really great uh, music and great theology and great poetry, it really lifts my soul personally. And I'm sure there are things about church that lift your soul as well. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. And those things are good. But what Jesus is calling us into is a seven-day-a-week discipleship, seven-day-a-week Christianity, in which we're out in the world, in which we're facing the, the issues that we have now, we're living, living up to and acknowledging uh, sins of our past, and always repenting and returning to God. Because as I've said over and over and over again, our whole point is to restore all things to unity in Christ. And we can't do that if we are fractured inside ourselves. We can't do it if we're a fractured community or a fractured country. And so our work, is, in part, is a work of reconciliation and of healing and of bringing together and lifting up. And so we follow the example of Jesus Christ, who healed that woman in the, in the synagogue on the Sabbath and made that point to the leaders that God can't be contained into certain office hours or certain days of the week. Indeed, God's love is always with us and always overflowing in our hearts. And if we let it, we too can become like Christ in the world. We can imitate his love. We can imitate his healing touch. 
And I pray that that is always first and foremost in our hearts. And as we go forth from this place, refreshed and renewed in our spirits, that we use that, that energy that we got today, now, in the word and in the sacraments, in our lives all week long. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.